What's up, everybody? We are back again for another little little morning episode, a um, little coffee with Cody, if you will. Uh, we're going to touch base on some deer hunting, some updates, and just say what's up. Yeah, we are in the mobile recording studio. We have seen a good buck this morning. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, we did. So we've been getting pretty... We've been getting pretty mobile, you know. We've been we've been going the the LWCG way with these podcasts. So we've been just hammering them out at random places, random locations, in vehicles, in the middle of scouting sessions. Uh, yeah, we just got done doing some glassing and and seen some seen some pretty good bucks this morning. But now we're we're parked at the back end of a service road, um, and you'd be you'd be pretty. <laughs> you'd be, <laughs> we got we got, the, <laughs> we got the mic hanging from the the roof of the jeep, so. But yeah, it's all it's all in good uh, good times. Yeah, I feel like people appreciate it. Um, but we we got a couple heavy hitters on today's podcast. But the werewolf, yes, carrying so we, a stand. We, had, we we did a post a couple weeks ago now, and it was a um, it was a while ago. But um, for questions, for topics, just kind of looking to to um, kind of platform and lay out some episodes and some future stuff and. The werewolf, the walking werewolf with the lobo and the and the the 1.0 stand. We got a lot of a lot of questions on that. When it's coming, when it'll be available. It is on the way. I promise you that. So we actually officially have um, the uh, the werewolf shirts. Um, they just got done at the at the printers. Those will be up and available very shortly. And decals are on the way. And any question that we pick from this episode that we took from those submissions and we're going to cover a few different topics we're going to send you guys um one of the one of the werewolf stickers one of the originals um so look forward to that we'll reach out and uh dm you and get your address and and you guys will be hooked up with some of those uh some of those uh stickers so um it's a pretty cool design you know it, it is cool it i mean is. we so actually uh one of the staff guys tyler tutterow um was messing around uh doing some decal stuff and and uh had this pretty cool sasquatch and he's like he tossed the 1.0 and i'm like you know what i'm like that thing should be a wolf like let's you know let's you know and so he did some did some some buzzing around and and we ended up with the um with the the walking werewolf so it was pretty cool um but anyway yeah we'll 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 jet that out and, and get you guys some of those and they'll we'll throw some stuff up on the story and and on the page when they're available yeah. uh, on the site. I think quickly before we get into some of these questions, we posted literally Sunday evening uh, a very good manufacturing update for those people looking at items, items yep. to purchase, when you can expect those. Um, do you have anything else you want to yeah, add to that? Just finally really excited to be full in production, like officially just, you know, turning, not inspecting anything, just um, everything is, uh, all the coatings are finished. Um, uh, the manufacturing facility, the new facility is all up and running. Uh, we got some new machines on the way to, to speed up production, hopefully coming into season. But um, everything is shipping now. Um, all 1.0 orders that were currently in the system should be fulfilled. Um, and, you know, we're doing this in batch production. Um, we are not a huge operation, so we got to produce these in batches. So we're starting with um, the... The point fives are next, and the sticks, and uh, the doubles did did um, have a sooner ship date than a couple of the other products, which I know I have seen a few personal questions from. And the only reason for that is the machining process is a lot more straightforward with the double step sticks. So it's not that we're bumping those up in front of 
but there's no assembly. They're one piece construction. Um, they don't go through the additional machining processes, the standard sticks, and have to be assembled. So that's why those have a little sooner okay. ship time. That, so, that's good detail. There. Yeah. So just so you guys know about that, we're not we're not cutting in front of you if you had a, a standard set of sticks ordered and you know you have a buddy that gets their doubles in. But um, yeah, you know, and and um, we're setting up our our assembly facility and and it's it's all going good. So uh, we do urge you though, if you're, we hope to have stock. Um, you know, coming into the season, like around October, like to actually be shipping uh, upon receiving. But right now, it's just with the high demand of the products and the COVID you know, put you guys it, behind. Yep, just the delays. But so, um, if you want to stand before a season, I mean, right now we have a four week, four to five week lead time is I think the max on all the products. Get your order in. We opened everything up, and just if you want to get that delivery date before uh, before your season comes in, just you know, make sure to nab one up quick so you don't, um, don't wait because it'll, you know, we might not be able to keep up with production. Hopefully we can, but yeah. So I, obviously we, we made the post a couple weeks ago. We had some yeah, topics yeah. we wanted to discuss. So, okay. So there's a couple interesting questions and we did, we got a lot of inquiries on the moon and we're going to dive in a hundred percent to the moon. Um, when we got the old man on and he's, you know, me and him have, have, uh, some different, some different, uh, takes on the moon. He's a little bit more of a moon, uh, nut than myself. Uh, I definitely take it into account and I do think that utilizing the moon and the phase will definitely help you, um, get a little closer to success. And especially like, you know, a big thing Adam Hayes always preached to with his moon guide and all that is, and I, a lot of this is catering toward people who may not have a whole lot of time to hunt. Mm, so I think yeah. that's a very important, like when I look at moon, I look at like that being a very important part to, to capitalize on. And if you're a guy who gets to hunt every day and who's out there pounding it, like, you know, I mean, you're going to be hunting regardless. If you're a guy who literally has to pick five days of vacation time and is needing to schedule those around and want to get their best crack at a deer, mm -hmm. you are going to be, I think, better off picking one of those red moon times or like those those better phases, if you will, to catch those deer. And then it all depends too where, I think, what type of property you're hunting, if you know the property really well, if you can access those bedding areas. And, and you know, because on those, those lesser moon phases, there's a little lesser action. Um, so, but we will dive a lot more in yeah. depth, depth on that with, with the old man. And we might even and, and involve for a couple other people. Those listeners who don't know who Adam Hayes is, he's killed four 200-inch bucks. Uh, several other giants uh, he's on some of the old whitetail addictions episodes and he you know he became friends with your dad and, and you guys have really uh, i don't know they, there's, yeah. there's a lot more they, information to uncover there oh with, yeah with, yep. with those guys yep yep they go way back um and um adam i think recently purchased the um the moon guide company mm -hmm. um just a few years back but um yeah um him dad uh, a lot of other successful hunters all utilize um, the moon for another piece of information for sure. And and so for you guys who, this was kind of a tease for you guys, uh, we'll, we'll get into that. Um, yeah, we even threw out the idea of getting on the phone with Adam. Yeah. You know, yep, it, it yep. was a possibility. So. Yeah, yeah. So so that's coming and we'll do, we'll really dive into that and, and get a little more deep on that. But um, so with that being said, a couple other interesting questions that stood out, I think. Um was definitely let's see here um 
Well, here's a quick one. Favorite venison meal? Uh, kind of a kind of an off off <laughs> off base topic, but dude, I gotta go tacos all the way. I'm uh, a fucking taco man. Steak, uh, barbacoa. What are you talking about here? I need I need oh, honest so, best yeah. best so, you know. So recipe. we yeah we toss we toss. Uh, I like to toss. Um, you know, venison roast in the slow cooker with some like green chilies and some. See, people needed this. They, yeah, yeah, they needed yeah. to know. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that that sits. It tenderizes all day. It sits in there, and then we usually, you know, um, I'll do a fry up a fry up a corn tortilla on the griddle with with a little oil, toss it in there. Maybe a, cut up some cabbage, some cilantro, some onions. Um, toss it on there, a little bit of sour cream. So I'm a taco guy. I, mean, I, I eat tacos like four times a week. So I got to go with venison tacos, slow cooked, a um, little spicy. Just yeah. that's mine. What about you, Byron? Ooh, so I'm a sandwich guy, so I'm going to go a Philly cheesesteak with a venison backstrap. But you got to have all the fixing, get the good bread from the grocery store. You got to pay with, yeah. you know, pay more for <laughs> And you do it right. Yeah, you can't do a Philly on cheap bread. No, like no, you can't. no. Like, you got to build it from the base. Onions, uh, peppers. I like jalapenos in there for a little kick, and then some. I make some fancy sauce at home that that kind of is a mayo base. But yeah, dude, that's that that that's my go-to venison best recipe. That's good. That's good. Um, yes, yeah, so that was a quick little little off off a uh, little off topic. But okay, let's dive into one of these more hunting-related topics. Um, there was a question in there about water. I like that one. Okay, yep, let's do water. So I think, I mean, water is a, a and, and this is something that we can always get, dive deeper to in a, on a longer segment, but just to touch base on this quick, water sources can be extremely deadly, especially if you are in a spot that is short of water or lacking a lot of water. Early season, I have... I have personally killed deer over small little water sources, um, seeps in the ground that actually are spring-fed, that fill up, that are can be a gold mine to find. Um, uh, so especially on drought years, things are dry. I can think of a farm I hunt in particular where my early season is completely, um, how I hunt it is completely contingent upon the wet or dryness of the year if the main creek is dried up or not and you know i go from there so like uh that's one of the first things i look at is if that readily available water source is there if there's still pockets still puddles if it's completely dried out i know right where i'm gonna go and i'm gonna get a crack at a good buck inside of a few days like just hunting that hunting that nearest water source that fresh water so um that can be deadly and you know you got to think i mean whitetail's got a drink mm -hmm. i mean so um, you know, there, uh, that is a really good thing to key on, key on. Um, I know Heath Cisco, who's on our staff and he's talked to me I was asking him, how can I better get a inventory of bucks on, uh, in the summer on public land in the big woods. And he told me, if you know where seeps are, he said, occasionally, you know, some of those creeks in the big woods will dry up, but a seep will still hold water. And so you can actually, you know, find the best trail going in and out of that seep and get a pretty good way to inventory and, your bucks. And that's what I'm getting at with, with hunting too. Like, so that little, um, I don't know if I, what did I call it? Not a seep, but I called it a, but that's what I was getting at. So little like, you know, spring fed Springs. pockets or whatever. Like, so you might have a creek and this is good scouting too. Like if you're, if you're popping around and it's in, um, if you find those little puddles of water, like and it and it can be tiny. I'm talking like the what I'm the one I'm talking about and specifically 
literally is probably only fills up to the amount of probably a coffee cup. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's... I mean, we're talking small. Like, this is literally in this little crack. Um, but, it, but it's consistent, and it's always it, it, there. You can, if you if you put a towel in there and soak it up, you'll watch it come, I mean, you'll watch 15, 20 minutes. It just fills right back up to that line and stays there. And I've literally um, seen deer come specifically to that spot, drink that water up and leave. Yeah. Like, just to get that fresh little, I mean, it's, it's, it's cool, it's fresh water, so... Those can be huge. So, de- yeah, and, and like you said, you're trying to narrow down a spot to put a camera on. Mm-hmm. That's an awesome freaking spot right there. Yeah. Um, and ambush to hunt, too. The only other time I can say I've seen water play an encounter, not kill a buck, but play an encounter was actually during the rut when those bucks are moving so much. I have seen a buck drink from a pond occasionally and um, purposely stop it at a creek crossing, grab some water, and obviously then he's on to the next probably doe bedding area, favorite cruising shelf, wherever oh, he's yeah. off to. Yep, yep. Um, they're they're ran down. They're they're you know they're wore out when they're running around. They got They got to get a drink sooner or later. And that's where too sometimes a lot of water, um, you know, and and thinking about water in the other retrospect, like not them drinking it. Sometimes a lot of water can actually funnel deer into certain ways, certain pathways. I know that there's, oh. I've hunted farms that ha, when they're flooded and there's a lot of water, like them trails condense big time. Like, you know, I mean, and I know there's people who hunt, you know, heavily, you know, marshy areas where the deer are tromping through water. But when you're, when you're in egg country or whatever, and you get like these cricks uh, flooding up over dikes and them deer are, are taking them high spots or at least for the most time. And, and you can see it, um, and that's a pretty good, a pretty good pinch to capitalize on, and just um, kind of in general. Um, but even even water in another sense, river systems and creek systems are awesome little travel corridors and runways for deer in the rut. So I think that's a good thing to take into account. Like just even a dried up creek system, but I know that like the the big rivers, the Mississippi, or even branches off of that, like during the rut, you get close to those bodies of water that run for long ways. It's perfect cruising territory for uh for big bucks that you might not be homebody to your to your farm you know that might find them find their ways in so nice um nice. we can get we can get deeper into to some water too at a at a later date but i thought that was a good good yeah. thing to touch base on because i think people sometimes people see some water and they're like oh well, do i really want to sit like is this worth a sit definitely I mean, scope, scope that out. I mean, if there's some big track, like there's pond, always yeah, yeah. There's always know, softer mud, yeah, so you can yep, yep. easier I mean, to read tracks. Ponds are great, especially farm ponds. Like, just you can bet, man. Them them deer are coming through to that pond. Like, I've I've you, you I've, got a pond right out back that you that's get. That's actually a very good you, point. Boom. I mean, so literally where I live, my my house on a few acres, I have a pond in my backyard. The pond is no more than than a half acre at most. Maybe three, yeah, half acre at most. I get deer coming from the adjacent 800-acre piece with ease. Like, they literally they come out and they come off out of these big this big track of timber. And there's a creek system that runs through that. But for some reason, they come out and they like to drink in my pond. Mm-hmm. And I don't ever take I, – I don't ever really hunt my, my home piece of ground, that little tiny – because it's just so small and it's hard to get around. But, I mean, I put a camera there yeah. and I have bucks coming out all year coming out just to get a drink in that pond and then they head out to the open egg or they go back in so um yeah don't overlook that do a little scouting around that that water and don't be afraid to sit it i would say for sure yeah um especially you know in in hot drought type climates but 
Um, we, let's 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 bang out one or two more yeah, here before yeah, we go. Yeah. To the... So, um, let's see here. Uh, oh, here's a good one. Best entry level film setup. So, Boom. that's a very easy one. I think we can we, we can both kind of. So, being somebody. So being somebody who's who has filmed their hunts since the day they started hunting or has been filmed, and then Byron over here who does a lot of video production work and just media and, and films his hunts and all that, I think we got a pretty good handle on this. That's so yeah, we do. Um, I mean, let's not let's not overlook the obvious piece of equipment that will require virtually no investment for ninety percent of the people out there. And that would be the cell phone. Your cell phone. I mean, everybody nowadays these cell phones are incredible. They take some awesome footage. Now, now you are not going to be able to get <laughs> cinematic quality type pans and and zoom in and and like Deer boca out. boca with yeah. this freaking with, with the cell phone. But we're talking entry level. Get your film wet. setup. See what it's like to be filming your setup. So now, along with the phone. You know, you can you can toss it on to your bow. You can rig it like that, but we're gonna do a little camera unplug here. Yeah. But I mean, just having something that you can film yourself with, whether it's a screw-in step that you rig a little mount for your phone to clip on, um, the pocket arm. Now the introduction of that, I think, is gonna it 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 opens up the a lot of of newcoming filmers and a lot of self filmers now to have a piece of equipment that's super light. Um, it's a definitely a killer investment if you're looking at, I mean, it's got enough reach where you can kick it in back of you, you can get yourself drawn on a deer, you can actually, the one thing about having your phone and mounting it to like a, um, uh, mounting it to your bow is that you can't really, you can't really work it like you're filming. Yeah. You know, um, it having an arm and having a camera set up or even your phone on an arm you can you can choose to get some cooler cinematic type shots mm -hmm. you can work the arm move it use it to actually film with or set it back for a kill shot yeah yeah i think the only like a few areas the phone really struggles is only deer footage out past say like 35 40 yards you're not going to get nice night you know it's just not possible but bow distance um get a guy used to bringing a camera arm um, bringing a you know a small tripod you can do a lot you know small external mic it's just a, a limited investment too because everyone has a cell phone these days and the, the the quality on them is really good it's it's really easy to bring to the woods that's not talked about enough for guys like oh i think i want to film well to charge those batteries to have the sd cards ready to go to bring that camera in a small camera bag every day to the woods it adds up, man. It wears on yeah. people. Oh, it's it, it's a process. It'll de it definitely makes the hunting experience more of a grind, especially if you're out there constantly. It is very rewarding when you end up with that kill on film, or when you're just bullshitting with buddies and you're watching deer footage throughout the year, mm -hmm. or you're looking back at maybe a buck that skirted through the timber that you just hit record on to, and you can maybe go back and look and, oh man, I didn't realize he had a split too. Like, mm -hmm. oh, he's bigger than I thought he was, and that's where it, it comes in hand. Me, or in handy to have a little bit better of a camera, but let let let's go to the next the next step up. So I would recommend like if you don't if you want to put forth the least amount of uh, money, right? You want to do this on a budget. I would take your cell phone, get a nice OtterBox case for it that has a clip, and that clip. We're actually working on something right now ahead for the camera 
specifically for cell phones. It'll be a small sure. little adapter, and you can clip your cell phone right on it, which we'll have details on that to come. But I would get a nice case for your phone, just in case you drop that thing or something like that. You And you want to be able to clip it onto the arm. Mm. Uh, and I would get, get yourself like a pocket arm or a small... You know, I don't really recommend just getting a screw-in type thing unless you want to just set it up and get one angle. But if you really want to start filming your hunts, mm -hmm. you need to be able to work an arm. So I think the investment of that arm will be awesome. It'll get you going, and then you don't have to buy a camera. Step two, I think look into a, a, a an affordable handy cam. Yeah. Nothing nothing wrong with, with a, a small handy cam fits in your bag nice. Super small. There, there. You, you find the price point out there for $200. Amazon has a couple clips. I think we should mention this for the cell phone guy um, that will like clip your your cell phone in place, and that that will generally accept into what they call a fluid head, which oh, which yeah. is the piece that tilts and stuff that's on yep. the end of those camera arms. Um, but yeah, that those are like oh anywhere about fifteen dollars on Amazon, maybe ten for the cell phone clip. But yeah, small handy cam, definitely the great option. Push record, a lot of functions in auto. You don't have to worry about it. That's definitely the next step. It, yeah, yeah, and and I've act, so you can get those from a couple hundred dollars all the way up to even you know I mean if you know six seven I mean they make them real expensive oh. but like there are some really nice video cameras for that six to seven hundred dollar range too like if you're if you're like okay I'm I'm gonna invest some money in this but I'm mm -hmm. not gonna go crazy off the wall like it all depends what your budget is yeah. I mean but entry level like a three hundred dollar Sony or, or Canon or whatever you want, little handy cam that is super small, super compact. It has a great zoom range. Mm -hmm. And it also, I would recommend getting one with a mic port. Mm, yeah. Just in case, because when you get more into it, you're going to want better audio. And if you don't have something with a mic port, and definitely not get something that doesn't have just internal memory. Make sure it accepts an SD, SD card. Because yeah. there's, there's some cheap handy cams out there that... They only have a 32 gig internal memory. Yeah. And you can't put an extra, like a SD card in it. Like that's kind of, you're kind of limiting yourself. Because mm -hmm. I bought one of those and it didn't have a mic just because it was so cheap. I'm like, oh, but then I realized like, oh shit, it doesn't have a mic port. I can't put an SD card in it. Like it just make sure it can, it can use an SD card. It has a mic port so you can at least run a tiny little shotgun mic if you want to down the road. But, yeah. But that's where when you get into like the six, seven hundred dollar range, like some of those cameras like have some really awesome microphones built in, mm -hmm. internal gimbals, like you know, for like, you know, let's say let's say you kill that deer, or you shoot that deer and you're tracking. You know, um I know the the AX fifty three, the one that I had has an internal gimbal. So like you yep. hold that thing and it's got that like eye in there that levels it all and takes the takes shock out, out of it. Some of the so, bounce, yeah. Um and then obviously if you want to get I don't even know if that'd be entry level. Like you, the, yeah, the AX fifty three is is a, is a that's, that's higher a, end. Yeah, that's a bump up. Yeah, it, it produces. Okay, very so maybe good I'm stuff. going a little out of there. So I think I definitely I think get yourself an arm if you want to get a more affordable arm. But if you're looking at and I'm a big fan of the small Joby tripods. Yep, small Joby tripods are cool. Like I've actually going back to the phone thing for entry level. I have a tiny Joby phone tripod mm -hmm. it has a little expanding clip on top you can get those at best buy for 30 bucks it's got the flexible arms i actually ran my cell phone with that joby head i would sometimes wrap that joby tripod around a limb if i wanted to just get a shot real quick but i also took and i wrapped that thing um around my camera arm and just had the self-facing camera on my phone yeah it was pointing at me, and then I had my camera off the end. So you can do some cool shit with those Joby tripods. Oh, yeah. Um, 
and they, they they pack in a bag so if you're yep. scouting yep. shed hunting want to get some extra shots around the truck you literally you know rides it in your pack you pull it out clip your cell phone in get a couple of different shots and then it's back in the pack and you take it with you what's not talked about enough in outdoor videography is you have to take this stuff to the woods it has to be easy yes. for you to use yep and another thing that you overthink like filming your hunts is one thing but like when you start getting into that to trying to make like a little production or it's more it's more about the little things and about being able to like you said quickly grab that little that little tripod out set it up get a little shot of you walking in there mm-hmm. like and you know and this is beyond i guess but but anyway those are some 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 food for thought for entry-level setups i'd say uh short you know get yourself or to, to sum it up i mean start with your phone Maybe make the investment of an arm and start taking that out and start experiencing what it's like to set up that arm, set up your phone, film stuff, you know, and then maybe the next step would be to get a, get a handy cam. Yeah. Um, and, and then you, all of a sudden you're open to this world of like, oh man, I can zoom in. That deer's 200 yards away and I can see him right now. Like, mm-hmm. that's awesome. You know, for a while I didn't even use Binox because <laughs> I, I mean, I have my camera there. So like, and, and I used to have that Sony that I had, had an awesome zoom yeah and i would just usually use that you know it was always set up i always had it and i kept that in my pocket yeah when i when i do road scouting at home i'm i'm literally the the driver and the guy trying to either glass or get footage and it's like i can't glass and then pick up my camera because that deer may jump into the beans or lay down and he's gone so i just literally take the camera because it can zoom better than my eye um oh yeah yeah that's that's a good tip yeah so that's um so that kind of rounds that'll round that off and and we can if you guys got any more specific questions and maybe even getting a little bit, I guess, to a higher level of, of filming and, and stuff like that, we can dive into that on a future episode too. But that was that was good to touch base on. Very good question. Um, do you Should we hit one more? Yeah, let's um, hit one more. Let's see. What do we do? The, do we, one of those two. You pick. Which one? You pick. This is your podcast. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. So let's go. So we had a couple questions about choosing properties. And, and I know, um, as far as these were more so guys that are looking into, okay, I want to get on bigger deer and I'm looking to maybe either lease ground or go on to new public or just, I guess if you're, the way I took these questions and I summed them up is like, I picture these people sitting there kind of like, okay, the farm I've been hunting doesn't have what I want to kill. What's my first step? when I have a couple potential pieces into looking like, which one do I go after? Like, that's kind of, I mean, mm-hmm. like, that's kind of how I read the question. And I'm a big advocate of, and, oh, do you hear that? I don't know. Well, that's a, well, sorry for the cow. Like I said, <laughs> we're, we're, we're parked back on a back row right now and we got some cows chirping, but, uh, or, or grunting. Anyway, so you might not have um, the deer you're looking for, or you want to get on a better piece or whatever it is. Um, the one thing I always do, and I, I'm a big advocate of this because I've done it in the past, don't spread yourself too thin. Don't try and take on six new pieces. Because it's it just, and I've done it. Everybody does it. Sometimes you think like, okay, the more feelers I got out, like sometimes that's not the case. Like, like you know, you think like, oh, for sales, well, the more time I put my advertisement out there and the more people I talk to, the more sales I'll get. Well, it's not really the same, I don't think, when it comes to... Now, if you're putting out feelers, like just to find decent properties and to dive into, but when you're looking at actually diving into a property to hunt it, I think taking that back and and narrowing those six pieces down to two key pieces and doing some initial legwork and 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 giving one 
uh, I guess, a little bit more uh, attention, mm-hmm. I think you're going to end up having a lot better success because when you start bouncing and jumping and, and driving across town and trying just and trying to focus on too many places at once, you're not going to hunt any one piece right. Like mm. th- that That's my take on it, and that's my personal thing, what I've experienced. I've experienced, like, less success when I was constantly pinballing around from state to state looking at this. Uh, now I look, especially when it comes to new pieces, if somebody comes up to me and says, Cody, I got a couple pieces in, in Alabama that we're going to look at, I'd be like, okay, all right, you know, well, first of all, like, I'm thinking, which they all have decent deer apparently, right? Well, I am, for one, going to start out by looking at, and this has got nothing to do with quality of deer, but it's got to do with access. And access is a big thing for me because, and I think it should be a big thing for more people, and I'm not talking about scaring deer. I'm talking about effort. Okay. When I when I look at a piece of property, I'm going to gauge it, too, by, like, okay, it's all, to me, it's all a percentage thing. And, like, okay, can I kill a big buck here? How hard is it going to be for me to kill a big buck here? How efficiently can I hunt this place without, I guess, messing it up and really, like, having to you know, screw it up too much. There's some piece of piece, there's some piece of property that I've looked at that looked great, that I had good intel on deer, but were just very, very hard to access and very hard to just consistently hunt without beating that property down. Yeah. Now, so can I ask this, when you say hard to access, so go ahead. Yeah, is it just elaborate on hard access. Yeah, like is that physically tough, or is are you a, you know the access is wrong for so you? I'm not. I, I don't. You know me. I don't shy away from anything physically tough. Like I, the, like whether I'm hiking seven miles, one mile, fifty yards, that doesn't play. But think about it in a time aspect. So I, I take into all those accounts. I take into okay. So tough access. All right, with small glitch, we're back. But uh, you were talking; it's not a physical thing that that you're worried about. Definitely with these not a pieces. physical thing. When I talk about t- when I talk about tough pieces as far as access goes, it's a combination of certain things. It's it's the time it's going to take me to get there if it's a long distance. It's walking through deer. It's it's entering a spot that I know all eyes are on me that I can't get around certain areas to access for certain winds. There's a lot of different things that I look at in in. Um, one of the biggest things is, uh, so I, easiest thing for me is an example, right? So, okay, let's say we got a piece and it takes me, I got to walk into it and there's, it's, it's five miles long and the best part is, you know, back and I got to, I have to take that time to walk that five miles. Like, well, okay, that's, that's getting in there earlier, get, you know, a lot of time put toward getting back there, you know, is my effort going to be worth the reward like if there's giant deer back there and it's manageable um and i can i can somewhat make that long walk like get around everything not mess anything up or or the the movement to where i can get on a certain deer or even efficiently scouting a place like sometimes you have to think like if you're limited on time if you have to walk hike six miles back somewhere just to scout it like do you have the time to do that to Mm. find out what's going on to then go back in and hunt it to put the effort in there to stay there back there. Even to not... go, go pull a trail camera. Yeah, there's all day I mean, affair it, right it, there. It, yeah. When you're looking at yeah. a new piece, you know, and then then you have another piece that has the same caliber deer or the same acreage. amount of size, yeah. same acreage, but 
you can access that in a quarter of the time and you're just as likely to kill or get on a decent deer on that piece, well, to me, it's a no-brainer. Like, why mm-hmm. would I put forth, why would I burn myself out more when I have another piece that's better for me? Or, you know, there's a big, there's this big piece that I scouted years ago. It was like a coliseum. Awesome ground, awesome deer. The only way I can enter this property, because it was landlocked, was through the bottom, and I was like a sitting duck. All of, <laughs> All these, just all a big these, bowl around yes, you. All these ridges, and these deer would watch me come in, and it was it was a lot tougher. It, I knew it was going to be a lot tougher just to hunt that because there was no way I could get around them. It was just the way the land laid, the winds, like it was set up for more of a predominant. Like you know, when you look at the area and you look at what you're going to want to hunt, like you can you know what your predominant winds are in the area, and if the if the property's set up like to get behind deer coming back to bed, like where you need east winds all the time, like it probably, mm. it's going it, to, it's going to be more of a pain in the ass to hunt. Like, so, yeah. so th- that goes into access for me, just time. I like to be able to access different. I like to know that I can come into a property from any way if I need to, because like, if I go, if I go put, put boots on the ground and see that property, um, and you always want to look at them, you know, I mean, even, even on an aerial, you're not going to make a judgment call until you... No, okay. no. I mean... It's good to know. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, to a certain extent, To, to maybe, an extent. If yeah, somebody yeah, yeah, shows yeah. me a 50-acre piece you're, that's in a block of 3,000 that I have to hike through and there's one easement, mm-hmm. like, that's a lot of effort. Now, it's always worth going and walking there and checking it out because, like, if you walk there once and you find the greatest situation in the world, then it's worth that walk every time. But, like, if you go in there and it's like, uh, I don't know. Okay. Well, what the, I'm, well, I'm going a different piece for sure. So I would say um, the two points are look at your access. I always look roads. Can I park on a road? Can I get to a corner of the property easily? Do I have to worry about neighbors? Do I have to, you know, worry about kicking my deer are the neighbors, like, if there's a lot of hunting pressure, too, and you only have one access route and it's through a major populated area, you're going to push those deer off. Now, mm-hmm. I don't think you pushing those deer off is going to be really detrimental to you, but it could be if you're pushing them to neighbors hunting. So, like, th- that's a little, and that goes into another question we had about small parcels. Yeah. Small parcels are a pain sometimes. Well, I think if we pivot this this yeah, this yeah. thought here, like, I think a lot of the listeners are probably like, okay... I, I I live in destination X and I can get access to this 50, this 20, and maybe we can even throw like a 15, like smaller type pieces, but it, but there's a couple in my area I'd like to knock on. What would you look at in, in, in we'll call it under the 100 acre type pieces close to home where everything's kind of equal, you know, mix of timber and ag, you know, is there something you, that stands out to you in looking at parcels that size? Yeah, it's going to be the access. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to see where, like, especially like you said, if it's mixed egg, timber, can I get to these spots that I, or, you know, where these, where I think these deer will be feeding after looking at the, at the aerial or just where the land sits. For one, real quick, just like you mentioned that too, even where the property is in proximity to your home and how quick you can get there, those are huge things. If you can, now, you know, I mean, you don't want to be, you don't want to pick a property that's next door just because it's next door when there's big bucks 20 minutes away. Mm-hmm. So, you, I mean, you have to take that into account. But at the same time, if you know you're never going to be able to get 20 minutes away or, or, or an hour away, you might want to start looking closer to home. But so a- access on those pieces. So I, if all these pieces are in relative, you know, I guess this looking the same, um, it's okay. Can I get to the edges of these food sources 
to glass, to hunt, to scope out these deer without tipping the deer off that I'm getting there? Can I, can I access these pieces? Can I get around the backside of these these pieces where these deer are eating to get or to find these bedding areas or, or you know, how easy is it to access? It's just, a lot of it comes down to access and looking at the map, there's been some farms that I really wanted to hunt it in the past, but they were very deep onto properties that were hunted that I could not get easement to walk through. Like they didn't even, they didn't want people hunting property next to them. So they're like, oh no, you can definitely not come through my property. No, you cannot park on this road. <laughs> That, that stuff is just, it's just tough. And when you're hunting, when you're going into a season, a long season, and you're, especially with guys who are just looking for a good deer. If you're on a different caliber too, and, and you're looking for a deer that's 185 inches, or you're looking for a 200 inch deer, well, then that trumps everything because you need to find the you, piece yeah. that that 200 inch deer's on. But when you're a guy, which I think this, this question is about, <laughs> is about that guy. This guy just wants to get on good deer, and he wants to find a new piece that he can hunt and go kill a buck. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm talking about. So I'm talking about increase your odds, make it easier for yourself to get in there and get amongst and hunt these deer consistently and learn that property and be able to manipulate it to kill a deer rather than um, put yourself in a position where you're going to, where you are fucking cashed when you get out to that stand. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like... Yeah, I mean, if you got to do it, you got to do it. But when you have a few pieces and you can you can you can pick and choose and you also have to, you know, it's one of those things where like you're looking at the end of the race too. You're not I mean, everybody starts out gun ho, but oh, can yeah. you consistently do it? Can you consistently hunt those deer efficiently without burning yourself out? And um I don't know if that if that makes makes sense, but um, no, I, th I think some some key summarizing uh, thoughts there are, are: can you get to it often or frequently? Um, is the caliber of buck there you're you're after? Um, and then and and that's the thing too with a small parcel. Like you start talking about these smaller parcels. I always like a a little bit bigger of a part. If you have access limitations combined with a small parcel, uh, th those are two negatives now. Yeah, well, a small parcel in general, there's there's going to be less room to just generally work exactly with. yeah i mean you know i like i've hunted 40 acre pieces and even smaller i've hunted five acre pieces and they were awesome pieces of ground but mm -hmm. like you couldn't go like i had never had luck hunting them in the evening yeah i'd go blow them out and they'd be they'd be elsewhere now mm -hmm. in the morning if they're out on the neighbor's property and you're glassing and you got this five acre transition and you could sneak in there before the, well then boom that's your fucking piece you know but so it's you know so size versus that like if, if you're looking at a 300 acre piece of property well you can access through that without kicking deer i think off of it pretty easily yeah you I can mean, make some if, moves you can yep, you can yep. do some loops exactly. to get into places exactly. little button hooks stuff so, like that helps. so a lot of that i think i think i look at that first and foremost um along with you know outside the area does the area hold good deer is there good genetics do i know anything about the areas you know can i get any leads on these pieces of property like those are all great things too i mean um but just looking at a map if somebody showed me six parcels and i couldn't go walk them mm -hmm. i would first look at like okay do i got a good you know okay like yeah like a um a good blend is there some good food in the area do i think like you know can i surmise like um where I think this would this place be holding deer if they all are yeah okay let's go size versus access then 
and just see how easy it's going to be for me to access every piece of that property if I need to. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's, that's and that and that goes the same for me when I was looking at going down to a bunch of walk on ground in Kansas, thousands of acres. Well, the first thing I did was like, okay, I know there's thousands of acres down here. The last thing I'm going to do is go out there and try and pound thousands of acres. I am going to look, I'm going to, and I may overlook the best spot on the map, but I'm going to tell myself like, okay, let's focus on this 600. This 600 looks good to me. I can access this from every direction. This is what I'm going to scout and pound first. And I'll know, I'll get there. I'll start hunting a few, like I'll, you'll know. Yeah. If you need to bail, bail. Mm. But don't start spreading your thin and, and looking at it. Oh, yeah, I'm hunting a 10,000-acre piece of, of walk-on in, in North Dakota. I, I, I don't think that's smart. I think, like, divide and conquer. You know, I mean, pull a section of that from the group. Like, you know, are you going to run at a, a, a group of six guys and freaking try and take them all on at once? Or are you going to try and pick one of them off at the same time or at, at a time sure. you know, that you can handle? So yep. it's just it's a lot more things to juggle, I think, and... and and I've done it, man. I, I've I've been like, oh man, oh my god, this this camera over here, this over yeah, here, yeah, yeah, yeah. Scout here, I got. You don't. There's not enough time in the day to hunt like you should. Period. So now throw instead of having one piece, throw six pieces on there. Mm-hmm. And you're, I mean, just you know, got to be smart about it. No, no, I, I I would agree. I I have done, and I have been the guy that that was hunting seven pieces of public ground in six counties. And to be honest, I'm I'm much more three core pieces with a couple fringes that I kind of just keep tabs on. Not necessarily diving yeah. all in on, but I've, yeah. I've got a, a core three and uh, I know those pieces forward and backwards because I, you know, that's my focus. And, and, and yeah, I, I definitely have taken that as, as a huge part of uh, just hanging around you and learning from you. Yeah. And it's like, you can't, I mean, and this is not um, saying that you can't have cameras on multiple farms and, and at least keep an eye on them. But when it comes down to expanding into new ground that you know nothing about, mm-hmm. and you're looking on, you're looking at taking on three new states and two new pieces in each state. Like that's just you're just setting yourself up for, and you could, I mean, you could, it could, it could work out great. But yeah, and the hunting public does that, but they don't have jobs. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep, <laughs> you know that's yep. a huge, yeah, that, that's a huge part of that puzzle piece is, is how much time do you have to hunting? Because I would imagine most of our listeners, working guys, um, maybe have families. You know, the, the, we're trying to give this advice for a guy looking to kill a good one. You know. Yeah, and and looking for a new and that and that's the same thing. And this, actually, this this question, actually, I think one of them was spoke focused specifically on lease ground, mm-hmm. which is kind of where I like. You know, public is one thing, and if you're taking on a giant piece of ground, that's one because you can always move, you can go to a different place. But if you're looking to make the investment of a lease. Mm-hmm. You're going to want to be able to access that, and you're going to want to be able to not booger that up constantly if it's a small piece when you're going in and out and if that's your main. Because a lot of these guys, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that set aside money all year. I do it. Like, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people. That is a priority of theirs. Some people buy a bunch of shit. Some people set aside money and they want to carve out a piece of property that they don't have to compete with anybody and they can manage and hopefully grow big deer and take their kids there and whatever. Whatever it may be, if you're looking for that lease, I think it's very important that you don't, like, you know, you take those things into account. Like, you know, if I, if this is a piece you are going to be hunting and you can't just run over to something else and you're putting all your eggs in one basket, why would you want to do it on a piece that is so extremely hard to access? Yeah. Unless it was going to produce you these giant dudes. You know, I mean, you know, so that's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah. That's where, like, one, 
it, that's why it even gets even with whitetail questions it gets so tough to answer broadly like if a guy said to me like hey I want giant deer and I want to manage them and I want like what should I look for I might answer that a little differently than a guy that's like hey I'm just looking to be able to hunt a good caliber deer every year and, and I see want... a couple deer every hunt yep, and yep, have a good time yep, exactly versus hey man I'm a public land hunter only how do I find a new piece of public like see you can all you're not married to public that's the you can always bail but you put the money into a lease you're gonna hunt that sucker they're, you know and you don't want to be there exactly so um yeah so that kind of I hope that helps. I hope yeah. that helps a little bit for guys looking to expand into new pieces and and um, yeah. you know um, and put some new new hunting property in their arsenal. But well, dude, I think yeah, I think we had a good little segment here. Yeah, I think a couple good answers and, and more to come. And uh, these little coffee with Cody episodes always a good time. Yeah, from the mobile recording studio. Never yep. know where that's going to be. Yep, yep. We should start doing a. We should start disclosing the locations too. We can we can make a game out of it. Yeah, and um, then I can sell your pins, you yeah, know, on the black yeah, market for, yeah. for extra cash. Sure. Yeah, anybody <laughs> looking for some good pins? I, know, I got some good ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think the. Um, yeah. So to be sure to tune into the next one. The next one's going to be a full out um, D series podcast with the old man, and we're gonna we'll dive into some. Um, some deep topics, some tactic topics. Uh, I know a, a question I keep getting too is the stand setup efficiency. So might be a video. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it, we're gonna definitely do videos on that too. But that's something we will touch base on on the next episode. Um, is you know my go-to setup. We'll touch base on Byron's go-to setup, and we'll also do do Dad's because they they're different. Yeah. They're all a little different, and we all have our own little tweaks. Um, prime example, cam straps. Like yeah. you are, me and you have two completely different takes on cam straps. Same thing with dad, like, you know, and, and packing stuff up and, um, there's, uh, so that, that'll be something that we touch base on this next episode and how those little idiosyncrasies that we all have make us more efficient in the setup and how I get my setup di- down, my setup time down so low. I mean, I, mm-hmm. uh, I think a lot of things that sparked that question was like, you know, the six minute stand setup or whatever, or even shorter. Um, and a lot of things go into that. So, and there's, there's, you know, so we'll touch base on that, um, in the next episode and, and some other cool stuff. Yeah. Any, uh, any other final updates closing her out? Yeah, I think dude, I, yeah, we'll, we'll close her out. We'll, um, um, thanks for listening. If you haven't go check out the YouTube channel, uh, alone with custom gear. There's a lot of cool content on there. A lot of awesome whitetail addictions videos. If you look, if you, I think your dad's video is about two weeks out. Yep, yep. So his his is gonna drop pretty soon. I know you got a lot of you guys have been waiting for that, but um, yeah. And if you if you don't already, go go follow us on social media on Instagram and Facebook, and we put out a lot of good stuff there. And at least we try to. Mobile Hunters United, um, a forum we created on Facebook, um, open for anybody. Come talk hunting tips suggestions tactics you know share your whitetail season it's it's a great place to to you know be with uh like-minded guys and and the mobile hunting community yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a it's a good place to close around yeah. man yeah yeah go work for it all right we'll see you